Ecclesiastes 9, starting at verse 13. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man, poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offences to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning of their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. Woe to the land whose king was a servant and, though, and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter Wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. 
You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Thank you, Ben. Uh, keep your Bibles open. It's, it's a long passage. It's a confusing passage. Um, there's lots of kind of familiar, uh, you know, phrases that we would even use today, um, but there's a lot of peculiar ones as well. Uh, what we're going to do this morning is take kind of a, a broad scan of this. We're not going to touch on every single detail because otherwise we'd be here all day, but we are going to pick out what this passage is about uh, and what the teacher is trying to teach us in it. Now, I've never been uh, very good at chess, um, which is probably why I never liked chess, um, because I suck at it. Um, now, look, I, I get the rules of chess. I get most of the rules of chess anyway. Um, but I just, I cannot ever grasp, you know, the, the tactics or, or the strategy or how to play a winning game of chess. It's, I've, I can sit down, I can move pieces, I can even take pieces off the board, but I never win. You know, that, that, that broader picture of chess, uh, it's just not how I think. Um, I read once, uh, I read once that chess masters, you know, the, the, the actual chess masters, you know, when they move a piece, they're not just thinking about that move, but they're actually thinking, you know, half a dozen or, or even more turns in advance. They've got the whole game mapped out uh, so that they know that how this turn will play out and how, how, how the game will go and how to win. I mean, that, I think that's phenomenal. <laughs> that's an amazing ability, isn't it? Just to, to be able to grasp a game in that way. And, and I can't do that. Um, when I play chess, I dodge along to an inevitable defeat um, and I still have no idea how that ever happened to be. I'm just, I'm just not good at chess and I'm okay with that. Sometimes life feels a bit like that though, doesn't it? Now we, we kind of get the basic rules of life, we kind of know how to operate in this world, we can make a few moves, but the bigger picture, the bigger strategy of life, it, it, it eludes us, it, it escapes us, doesn't it? I mean, some people seem like they get it. They seem like they can navigate their way through this world uh, and kind of anticipate what's coming. But even for them, they, they still keep tripping up, don't they? And, and things uh, don't, don't turn out right for them too. It's, it's just so hard to know the right move. It's so hard to know what's coming. And when we do do something, so often it doesn't turn out how we would have planned. So often it doesn't turn out right. We want to win, we, you know, we want to find success, we want to do good and make good decisions and have a good life, but it's just so hard to know how. And then we throw in the actual just general chaos of life. Is it even possible to know how to make good decisions and to navigate a good path through life? Is it even possible? Well, today the teacher wants to wrestle through that frustration with us. He wants to, to walk that path alongside us and to, to put it into perspective for us. But also, 
to give us the bigger picture, to help us to live well and to make good decisions. That's his promise today. That's what we're going to try and see from this passage. Um, when, we, when we start at the, the top of this uh, passage, we see again the teacher looking at the world, making his assessment of what he sees and what's occurred to him, and he realises something about it. He realises that wisdom exists, and he realises that wisdom is good. I mean, he actually tells us that several times through the first half of this chapter. I won't read all the verses, but if you've got your Bible, just, just scan through it with me. He's got that story right at the top, this poor uh, but wise man who saves a city from overwhelming odds through his wisdom. And he concludes, wisdom is better than strength. He goes on, verse 18, wisdom is better than weapons. Uh, chapter 10, verse 2, wisdom leads us to the right path. Uh, chapter 10, verse 4, wisdom helps us deal with unpredictable rulers in a, in a safe and good way. Chapter 10, verse 10, wisdom or skill brings success to our endeavours. Uh, chapter 10, verse 12, wisdom helps us to speak graciously and to speak well. So what the teacher is doing is he's saying wisdom is really good for us. Wisdom is actually helpful at navigating life in, in a positive way. And that's because of what wisdom is. See, in the Bible, wisdom isn't, um, isn't just being really smart, as if, you know, this is reserved for, you know, the intellectuals in life. Um, it's not even for the, just the academics in life, as if there's, you know, practical people and academic people and wisdom belongs over here. Um, that's not how wisdom works. Wisdom is intensely practical. Um, I came across a, a useful definition this week. Uh, it says, wisdom is knowing what is most apt in a particular circumstance. Wisdom is knowing what is most apt in a particular circumstance. See, being wise is finding the most fitting action in a particular situation. It's knowing and knowing how to use that knowing, if, if that makes sense. Um, I think I've used this example before. Uh, you know, wisdom, uh, information is knowing that a tomato is fruit. Um, wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> that that, that kind of captures what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing what is most apt in a particular circumstance. And that's why the teacher can say wisdom is a really good thing for us because wisdom helps us to navigate life well. And in fact, it can lead us to a productive and a, and a fruitful life. But... <laughs> There's always a but in Ecclesiastes. But there are some problems with wisdom. Um, scan back through these verses with me again. Uh, chapter 9, verse 15, the, the teacher says, Wisdom is really good, but wisdom is quickly forgotten. Chapter 10, verse 1, it only takes a little bit of foolishness uh, to ruin a whole lot of wisdom. You know, like a, a fly in the ointment, just a little bit of foolishness can ruin a whole tub of wisdom. Chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, uh, random chance can frustrate good and wise works. Chapter 10, verse 11, wisdom is good, but only if it's used well and used at the appropriate time. Otherwise, it means nothing. So the teacher says wisdom is to be praised, wisdom is to be sought, wisdom is to be chased after, but in and of itself, just having wisdom or being wise is no guarantee of a good life. It will not guarantee you a good life by itself. Wisdom can't do that. 
in that wisdom is a bit like Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Look, I don't understand the whole system. It's all Greek to me. But it seems to work for some people, doesn't it? You know, some people invested in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency early and, and it's just exploded in value and now they're, you know, they're billionaires and it seems like the best decision ever. Only if we'd had the foresight to do that. There's fortunes to be made there. <laughs> but how fragile it is, how, how volatile it is. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Elon Musk tweets that Tesla accepts Bitcoin and up its value goes by 20%. A few weeks later, he tweets that Bitcoin is not green, down its value goes again. And it's a, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? You, I mean, you wouldn't want to base your life on that. There's money there, there's uh, value to be made there, but it takes very little to tear it all down. And that's a bit like wisdom, the teacher says. It doesn't take much to tear it down. It's a good thing. It's a valuable, helpful, important thing. But only a little frustration, only a little chaos, only a little foolishness, and wisdom comes crashing down. Wisdom is good, but it is a lousy thing to base your life on. And that's what the teacher wants us to see. Chase wisdom. Seek wisdom. Be wise but do not base your life on wisdom. It alone is, is too easily shattered, too easily frustrated, and if you base your life on it, so too will you be. Now, that's not wisdom's fault. Let's be clear on that. Uh, it wasn't meant to be that way. The world God created was good and consistent and flawless. It was a world in which wisdom was and always worked and was never undone. But when mankind struck out on their own, rejecting God's way and embracing uh, foolishness as well as sin, everything stopped working as it should. And wisdom too was affected. Wisdom is broken. But, chase it still. Yes, it's easily frustrated, but don't give up on it. There is still good to be had in it. Just don't base your life on it. Now, you can find wisdom all over. Um, if you look through the book of Proverbs, you see the, the, uh, the Solomon there um, gathering wisdom from all over the place, from, from Israelite sources, from the world, from, from all over. You can find wisdom in reading, in not just reading Christian things, in, in listening and in, in thinking and in learning and in dwelling on, the, on life. You can grow in wisdom. In fact, you can ask God for wisdom. God promises to give wisdom to those who ask it. Uh, have a look at James chapter 1. Wisdom is good, so chase it. But don't look to it for everything. Don't look to it for a good life. Don't rest your life on wisdom alone. Don't think that you're going to get everything uh, figured out. Don't assume that a good plan will always have good results because things happen. Chaos, foolish things Stupid things derail good and big things. It happens all the time. Don't assume, you know, when you've got all your ducks in a row and you, you, your life planned out that they're, they're, they're going to stay there <laughs> because they won't. It only takes a little foolishness to derail a whole life. Wisdom is good. Seek to be wise, but be aware of its limitations. 
Now you might be thinking, but that's not very helpful. Uh, I'm looking for a good way to chart this life. I'm looking for, for wisdom in making decisions and in knowing the right thing to do. And now you're telling me that wisdom is unreliable. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I mean, the, the, the logical conclusion would be, let's do nothing. You know, if we risk nothing, nothing bad can happen. <laughs> the underachiever's motto. If wisdom's so flawed, if things are so precarious, then what's the point in trying? Well, the teacher anticipates that, and the teacher acts to correct that. We see that in the second half of this passage. Come with me to chapter 10, uh, verse 16. Woe to the land whose king was a servant, and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth, and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness the rafters sag, because of idle hands the house leaks. It's an odd picture, we don't live in that kind of world. But what the teacher is saying is, doing nothing or trying nothing, it's bad for land, it's bad for home. If that's how our rulers act, the land is a disaster. If that's how homeowners act, the house falls apart. Doing nothing, trying nothing, isn't the right way. Instead, the teacher says, do stuff and do it well. Look at verse 19 through to 11, verse 4. A feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Ship your grain across the sea, after many days you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Uh, let's just run through those because the teacher's uh, telling us something important here. He says it right at the top. Uh, feasting wine is good. I'm sure you agree with that. That's not controversial. But he says you need money for both. <laughs> so Work. Do something to, to have life, to enjoy life, work. He says, speak well. You know, we, we talk about um, a little bird told me. That's kind of where this picture comes from. Um, be careful what you say in case a little bird might tell someone else what you've said. Be wise in how you speak. The teacher says, be proactive. Um, if you've got an older Bible, the, uh, the start of chapter 11, verse 1 there um, says, cast your bread on the waters. Which <laughs> is a very peculiar thing. What does that mean? <laughs> um, you can try it later, go and throw a piece of bread on the water. I don't know if anything will happen. Um, the new version captures the thought. Take a risk. Um, ship your grain, see what returns you might get. Diversify, the teacher says. Seven ventures, yes. Eight, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, spread your investments out. Um, don't watch the world. But act, you know, if you're forever uh, watching the wind or looking at the clouds, you won't do stuff. So don't, don't just watch the world, but do stuff. I mean, Nike had it right, just do it. <laughs> That's essentially what the teacher's saying. Don't just talk yourself out of stuff. Don't uh, take no risks and always play it safe. Don't watch and wait for the perfect time. Just live. That's what the teacher's inviting us to do. Just do stuff. 
I found out a couple of weeks ago, my physio said that uh, I'm now supposed to start running. Um, it's good for my ACL uh, rehab. Um, I haven't actually been for a run yet. Um, it was too windy the other day, it was too dark the other day, then it was too cold. It looked like it might rain. Um, I'm sure it's supposed to be nice, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. But, but that's how we are with life, isn't it? We, that's how we play. We, we're conservative. We play it close to our heart. We don't, we don't take chances. We don't take risks. We, don't, we, we wait and we watch. And the teacher says, no, don't live like that. It might look logical. I mean, you know, wisdom is flawed and all that sort of stuff. But actually, he says, just act. Just live. If you forever wait, you're going to get nowhere. And that's not good for you. So don't do that. Just do something. But how? Well, he says, because God is a doer. Look at verse 5 and 6 of chapter 11. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. You and I, we don't know God's work. We don't see exactly what his hand is doing or what his hand will do. Uh, what he has in store is not something he's revealed to us. And you might think, surely that's a disincentive <laughs> to do anything. If we don't know what God's doing, um, if there's even more uncertainty in the world, how could I be certain about doing anything? Actually, it's the opposite. <laughs> Actually, we have to flip that on its head. Because what it says is, what the teacher's saying is, God is at work. Um, he's not just the maker of all things, as it says there. Literally, it says, he makes everything. As in, he is still making everything. He is still at work, even now, even today, even here. God is acting. And yes, you don't know the work of God. You don't know precisely how he is doing what he is doing. But you do know that he is working. You do know that he is active even today. Um, this is something that Jesus reinforced. He said it in John uh, chapter 5, verse 17. My father is at work, always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So we see kind of Jesus' economy there. He says, God is at work. God is always working, and so too, therefore, am I at work. God's work drives Jesus' work. And in the same way, God's work drives Jesus' people's work. Yes, there is uncertainty. Yes, we don't see the details of how God is at work. But we know He is. We are confident God is active and working. And he is, we are confident that that good plan that we've spoken about, that good plan from the beginning to the end of history, He is working that out. He is bringing it to be, and therefore it will be. A couple of decades ago, there was uh, a movie that came out. Um, I think it was in 2001. Uh, the movie Rat Race. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Um, it's got Rowan Atkinson in it. You, you might remember the line, It's a race, I'm winning the race. If you've seen the movie, that makes sense. If you haven't, that sounds terribly racist, and probably in hindsight it is a little bit. Anyway, this is what happens in the movie. 
Uh, in the movie, some uh, rich oil tycoon sets up this race for him and his cronies to bet on. Uh, and in this race, they grab some average Joes in Las Vegas, just some random people, and say, you guys have to race from Las Vegas to Silver City in Mexico. It's about 900 Ks. And the first one who gets there gets a briefcase with $2 million cash in it. Probably actually something bigger than a briefcase in hindsight, but anyway. Now, that's the start, that's the end of the race. You can get there however you like. Doesn't matter what you do, it's just whoever gets there first. Any means. Now, it's a comedy, so it is utterly ridiculous. Uh, one takes a taxi, one takes a hot air balloon, one ends up in a rocket car, one ends up stealing Adolf Hitler's staff car from a museum, and all of them are just racing in utter chaos to Silver City, Mexico. And it is, it is totally bonkers. But here's the thing. The destination is set. But the contestants can choose to get there however they want. Some decisions are good, <laughs> some decisions are not so good, but the overall trajectory of all of them and their destination is set no matter what. And so it is with us. That's what the teacher's telling us here. So it is with us. The bigger picture, the destination is set. God has a plan, he's working out that plan. The trajectory is, is set. God's in charge of that, he's working it out. He's making that happen. Now, Jesus has told us he's, he's part of that work, which tells us where that plan is heading. Um, we said it before in the kids' talk. God's plan is to gather a people to himself, saved out of death and sin, to live forever with him. He's made that possible through Jesus, whose death and resurrection forgives sin and overcomes death. And he's now gathering that people and bringing them to that end. And that's the good news here. Even now, God is working to bring his people to himself and gather that people for all eternity. So Jesus is telling us that destination is set. The overall trajectory of human life is set. It is working to a specific end. And God himself is at work to that end. And that helps us to live. Because it means that we, in, in our choices, in our decisions, in our actions, we are swept up in that. We are heading in that direction. We are assured by that. Now, like the movie, some of our decisions will be good, some of our decisions will be not so good. But if we belong to God, we're still going that direction regardless. Nothing's going to change that. No decision you make is going to derail that. That is where you're heading in Him. And so the teacher says, act. Act wisely, you know, chase wisdom to help you make good decisions, understanding its limitations, but seek to make wise decisions. If you're not sinning directly, if you're acting in love, just do. Don't stress, do. Don't overthink your decision-making, don't be forever, you know, a slave to the perfect decision or to the right time. We, you know, we do that to ourselves, don't we? If only I knew which was the right decision. They're all right decisions, just choose the one. Trust God and do. Here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, as God's people, as, his, uh, as believers, we've got a great invitation there, don't we? God is working. 
His plan is coming about all about us to gather a people through the church. And he invites us to know that and to, to act in line with that and be a part of that. And as Paul mentions there, it's not something that's just good in this life, but it's to reap a harvest that will last forever. So again, don't wait until you've discerned the perfect decision because it doesn't actually exist. Um, Very often, God doesn't tell us what his precise will for each and every one of our choices is. Instead, what he invites us to do is simply act. Serve, do, be, as you can, with what you have, as you see best. So he's inviting us to an incredible freedom here. You know, what's, what's best for you, what's best for this church? Well, actually, as long as we're not disobeying him, as long as we're acting in love, it's what we decide is best. <laughs> Using wisdom, using our our savvy and our experience, using the brains God's give us, what we decide is best because he's in charge of the journey and he's working to that end. (laughs) Will it all work out as we plan? Probably not. (laughs) It really does, does it? But he still invites us to act because it will work out as he plans because he is acting. And so the teacher's invitation here is ours this invitation to be bold in our actions, to actually take risks in our actions, to do crazy stuff like putting your bread on the water, whatever that means, like shipping your grain across the sea. We, we can take these chances because we trust God is working in and through and all around us and the end is set. You are not going to derail his plan. You're not even going to derail his plan for your life, whatever that is because he is working it out. So be decisive. Do that thing that you've been thinking about, but you're just not sure whether you should or should not, or whether it will work or would not work. Just do it. <laughs> you know, if you've been tossing it over in your mind, make that step. You know, ask that person to read the Bible with you and pray with you. You know, be part of that, that training course or that, that new program or whatever it might be, even though it feels a bit scary. As a church, you know, when it sits down to figuring out where we're going. Let's do it in big ways and in, in crazy ways. Let's take a risk. Because God is acting. Because the destination is set. And because he invites us to freely work with him to that end. So let's be confident. Let's be glad as we do that together. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we want to thank you for the great and wonderful confidence that we can have in you. Father, we've thought about the uncertainty of wisdom, we've thought about some of the chaos of life, uh, and all of these things would naturally lead us to not doing stuff, to to stop living well and, and acting. Instead, you've invited us, you've reminded us that you are in control, that you are working out your plan all around us. And that you are bringing us to a sure end in Jesus. Father, we thank you that we get to be part of that plan. That you have invited us in through him. That you've forgiven us and and made us part of your family. And given us a place in your great work. Father, help us to understand the freedom that we have in that. And be willing and, and bold and glad 
to work and to serve and to live for you. Father, help us not to be paralyzed by indecision, but to be glad, to be decisive for you and to seek out ways in which we can serve. Father, we pray that you would help us to make good choices, that you would guide our choices and that we would see ways in which we can be part of your plan. Please bless our choices and bless our actions and use them for your sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.